Welcome to the Teaching Self-Government Podcast with Nicolene Peck. Improving your life, uniting your family, changing the world. Welcome to the Teaching Self-Government Podcast. I'm Nicolene Peck and I'm joined here with my daughter, Paige Baumert. Hi, Paige. Hello. So Paige, today we are going to be talking about micromanaging and how that could be a big deal, really, in relationships. (laughs) In fact, sometimes I think people micromanage without even knowing that they micromanage. Like they think, well, I'm not a micromanager. But actually, when we look at it, we might find that we are falling into the trap of micromanaging. It's really easy to fall into that trap. And whether you think you do or don't, hopefully we can help you have better interactions today because of this podcast. But before we get to all of that, as is tradition, we want to talk about a fun family activity. So Paige, what type of a family activity should we talk about today? Well, there's one that we did fairly often when I was younger and we sewed puppets so like hand puppets for our puppet show because we had one of those we made it out of you know just some fabric and some pvc pipes and we're like okay now we need puppets and so you know sometimes we would take old socks and sew buttons and pieces of felt on them and make little you know like snake puppets or we would you know make other different kinds but it was so fun just to make all these different characters for our hands to play out different characters in our little puppet plays. Yeah. So sewing puppets actually teaches multiple things. So it's creativity. You're creating something, a little character. You're going to use it for another creative project that you're going to do, which is having that puppet show. But also it teaches basics of sewing. So you can sew buttons on for eyes, right? So this teaches how to sew a button on. It teaches how to tie a knot in thread. It teaches how to end when you've sewn something on already how do you get done with it and you know tie the knot at the end you know these are life skills that are very useful for children to learn and they feel really confident when they know skills like this so we did do sock puppets we also did felt puppets and you can just get pieces of felt and I don't know if you're as old as me, you know, but when I was, well, Paige, I know you're not, but like, I'm thinking (laughs) of other, you know, women out there, there might be some listening and men too. If you remember when we were children, you'd go to McDonald's or something or, and, and you'd get like a puppet in your happy meal or a little, and it would be like this plastic, like, um, seriously the cheesiest plastic, like, like garbage bag plastic, but it would have like a grimace on it or, a um, or a Ronald McDonald on it or something. And it was like the shape of like a little ghost, like with two hands sticking out the side and then like this little round top. And I mean, you could make that shape and you could turn it into all kinds of characters on felt. Okay. So you get a piece of felt, you cut two of them, the same shape. And then, um, before you sew, the two pieces completely together, you could sew on little eyes and little hair, yarn hair, or whatever, little clothes, that kind of thing. Sew it on one side of it. So the back is just plain. The back doesn't have to have any, you know, anything on it. And Unless then you, you wanted to make it double-sided. Then it could be two characters yes. in one. Ooh, that's true. I, we never did that, but you could do that. That's a really good point. <laughs> in fact, I think growing up, I did have a puppet that my mother had made like that. That was two different characters in one. Now that I think of that. Anyway, so um, so it's just moving the 
hands, you know, and moving the head around. It's not like opening, and closing the mouth, like you can do on a sock puppet. It's still so fun, you know, to make, we made little piggies and little people and, you know, all kinds of little things so that we could do the three little pigs and stuff. And anyway, super fun to activity to make puppets. So see what you can do, get your creative juices flowing. And if you don't want to teach sewing, which I do highly re recommend teaching a little bit of sewing, but if you don't want to, you could also, you know, glue them on hot glue or whatever, but just, so you know, they could also come apart more easily. So just so you're aware. All right, so let's talk about micromanaging. So years ago, there was a term that became popular, and it was the helicopter parent, that there's these types of parents that follow their children around everywhere and protect them from every single kind of, you know, anything, danger or whatever, which obviously we want to protect our children for danger. But the, the whole point of the derogatory term, the helicopter parent was like, they're just like buzzing over the child all the time. Like the child never gets a moment to do anything themselves. And so to, like, it was this very, experiences. exactly. So it was this very derogatory thing. And the whole point of that persona of the helicopter parent was that the parent is micromanaging everything controlling all the play and all the work and all the everything. And I guess you could see how that would be a pretty bad thing. Now, the problem with this helicopter parent um, image is it actually started getting applied to parents who just did any parenting whatsoever sometimes, you know, because the, the reigning philosophy of the day was, well, um, what you want to do is you want to let your children pretty much do whatever they want, you know, and that kind of thing. And, and more of a permissive type of a feeling to parenting. So that meant that then every parent who would correct a child for something was then called, called helicopter parents. So, so the whole thing was on, actually like turned around on people who are trying to do their job. Sometimes, sometimes I saw that and I was like, well, that's really sad because that parent's just trying to like actually be a good parent because when you're going to fix a problem, you actually have to catch problems to fix them. You have to address it. Yeah. Yeah. So there's this, this so, so there's this, this uh, sweet spot, I guess we should call it the sweet spot where you catch all the things that need to be caught and taught about, but you don't control everything. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So there is the sweet spot between the two of those things. And I think that some people, they think I've got to catch everything and they have more of a controlling nature maybe they're a little bit more of a dominant personality or they like things going according to a list or whatever and so then they all of a sudden go to controlling or micromanaging very easily and so um anyway so there's this there's this place where it's like you can teach everything you need to but you don't have to feel like you have to be in control and i think one of the biggest things that makes a difference in that is how the parent feels about the interactions if the parent feels emotional about the interactions or all of the teaching that the parent is doing with the child the correcting the teaching and everything if it's all an emotional thing for the parent then the parent is probably going to get into micromanaging really quick that actually makes a lot of sense because if you think about it parents like especially when you see parents micromanage in videos or on tv they're always, it's always like, no, don't do that. Or no, I don't like it when you do that. Blah, 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 blah. And it's, there's no, they're not calm. It's all emotional. It's all about, I hate it when you do this, you know, you, mm -hmm. you know, don't do this, don't do that. Or yes, do this because um, you need to be successful or, you know, whatever it is, but it's all emotional. And there's no, I mean, there's like hardly any logic to it. 
Mm-hmm. Well, and when I say emotional, please keep in mind, I have the full dynamic of emotional that I could talk about. But right now I'm just talking about the type of emotional where you take it personally. When something's happening, you take it personally. You worry, you give stress or anxiety. That's what we're talking about. Um, and if you want to find more out about, you know, all the stuff I teach about emotions, there actually is an, an audio a seminar that was done. It's a three hour audio seminar on my website, teachingselfgovernment.com. And it's called the value and mastery of emotions and talks about the goods and the bads with emotions and how to use them for the good and, and, and what to watch out for. So you don't get trapped. So anyway, we can't get into that every time I say the word emotions, but I just want people to know that the type we're talking about are the type that where the parent is feeling stressed, overwhelmed, anxious, um, feeling like their life is becoming hard all of a sudden because they have to handle whatever it is. And, and if you are in that zone, you're going to micromanage because you're already overly concerned with how you feel and controlling how you feel. And so, and you're, you're thinking in terms of all the things around you having control over how you feel. Well, but if you recognize, oh yeah, go ahead. Oh, so I was saying, and that just demonstrates a lack of trust in those that you have around you or in your own skills or in the skills of others. And so you feel like you have to do it all yourself or you have to, you know, be in charge of everything so that it all goes the way that you know it will work out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. And so, you know, the opposite of this, okay, so would be the parent. So if you've got that balance, that sweet spot worked out, then you would be that type of parent that you would say, oh, that's something I need to correct because they're not seeing that they are not having a calm face, voice and body there. Or right now they are, you know, definitely not disagreeing appropriately. So I'm going to need a, I'm going to need to work on that with them. We're going to need to address it, correct it or whatever. Um, But in your mind, you would be thinking, um, I could do, I could do this correction tomorrow and it'd be fine. If I, for whatever reason, didn't have time right now, um, I could tell them, Hey, I'm going to correct something and, but I can't do it just yet. Not that I recommend that behavior, but it's that feeling of this is not an emergency. This is a teaching that has to happen because you're a child and you're learning and I'm the parent and I'm the teacher, but it's not an emergency and my emotions aren't tied to it. I'm fine either way. Um, even though I know there's something I need to teach you. So this is different than the parent who cannot abide, cannot stand it. If the child is doing something that annoys them or that they feel like is, is wrong or whatever. Now, should parents correct it when their children do something wrong? My answer is yes, absolutely. And I teach a lot about consistency. But there's Um, a difference between annoying and wrong. Oh yeah. Oh, big difference. Yeah, (laughs) that's important. (laughs) So correcting something that's wrong, yes. Correcting something that's annoying, maybe, maybe not. It could just be that, you know, they're doing something totally fine, playing with toys, and it's annoying you for some reason. And that's when you have to take a look at yourself and go, hmm, is this wrong? No. Am I annoyed? Yes. What can I do to fix myself? Yeah, because then whose problem is it? It's yours, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so... There's some parents that are obsessed with noise. They're like, I can't have that much noise. Don't be, that's too much mm-hmm. noise. That's too loud. That's too much silly. That's too, but there has to be a time page. This is a really good point that you're making. There has to be a time that the children get to have the noise and the sillies. Mm-hmm. Because that's just life. That's just like what it means to be a child. And it's fun. 
Yeah. I'm an adult and I still like noises and sillies. Oh, I'm telling you what, whenever Paige comes to visit, the decibel <laughs> level goes up. We know that. But you know, Paige, I, I corrected a lot of things, you know, with you and your siblings, but I didn't get involved in every single minute detail about your personality and everything else because that's you and I could say well that's their personality that's how they are you know they're they like to be really silly like that or they like to whatever or they're in that stage of life and I would just go that's okay well people could also take that the wrong way too they could not correct anything because they say oh that's them that's their personality that's just who they're going to be yeah, but then you are permissive. Yeah. And you are the type of parent that's not going to have a much influence. Say, and a permissive good. parent yeah. is usually not very micromanaging. So <laughs> no, definitely not. But but the problem is then are you really even doing your role? Are you abandoning your child when they do need some correction? They do. I think we're hopefully we're making this clear, you know, clear as mud on micromanaging. Anyway, um, <laughs> but micromanaging becomes a big problem because um the child feels overly controlled. So it starts to feel like bullying really fast. Even if the parent doesn't want it to feel like bullying, it does. The child actually decreases in their confidence, their feeling of their ability to solve their own problems because someone is always solving the problems, always telling them exactly what to do. So they they don't wanna step out and do new things. They don't wanna get out of their comfort zone. They want somebody else to make the problem go away because that's what happens when you've got another person who's always there to take control of your life. So, and those are just a couple of the problems, but oftentimes there's bonds that get. I say it's damaging for the parent and the child because the child feels like they don't get to make any decisions. Then they grow up thinking, okay, well, someone else is always going to make my decisions for me. And so they don't even bother and their Mm -hmm. self-confidence and decision-making goes down and then their entitlement level goes up and the parent is then thinking okay why isn't my child launching why aren't they growing up why aren't they leaving the house you know they're they're 24 years old or you know they're close to 30 you know whatever yeah and it's because they the parent never let the child make a decision well and everything was about pleasing the parents Uh Because when a parent really gets into micromanaging, they're emotionally invested in every decision or movement that the child makes. Mm -hmm. And so then they think every single thing the child does is a reflection of them. Yeah. And so then they, that's why they feel like they have to control it. And then there's a point when um, the child doesn't dare do anything. And the parent actually wants the child to still do what they say. I mean, there's some parents that actually never want to give that up. Now there's varying degrees of all of this, but I want to tell you something. There was a point when I had to look at my family and my children as a parenting teacher, a person who was teaching parenting to other people. And I always hesitate to say the the term expert, but people call me that now. Like it's been enough years that like, that's what people call me as a parenting expert, even though it sounds kind of like, I don't know. I don't love the sound. I'm just like a parent, but, but anyway, (laughs) um, but knowing that I was perceived that way, right? There was this point when I went, wait a minute, does that mean that I have to like make sure my children always 
you know, whatever look good or whatever, or just, they're always doing everything just right. And I went, wait, 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 Nicole, you number one, number truth. Like, here's the truth. You can't make anyone do anything like, and you already know that. In fact, that's one of the things you teach. So like, there was a point where it was like this little sneaky thing that came in. It was a couple of times where it was like, just control this minute. And then I was like, wait a minute. If my child disobeys me and in some way doesn't follow instructions, you know, doesn't disagree appropriately. They go out of control, whatever, whatever. If my child does that, and even if it's in front of a whole conference of people or a whole whatever, what would Nicolene Peck do? She would just correct it like any other time. I would just correct it calmly like any other time. I wouldn't take it personal. And I can allow my children, you know, I had to tell myself, I can allow my children to just be regular people and not expect them to be perfect just because we know the good way to do things. And, and I'm going to have to hopefully trust and expect to that the other people who ever look on to my family will recognize that we are just regular people, even though we might have something useful to share with others, but they won't expect, they won't judge my children if my children don't look perfect somehow. So I had to let that I think that, that really is the biggest thing though, like learning to trust yourself, your children, but also trust that society won't necessarily like rip your head off. I mean, like it doesn't really matter if you're doing what you should be. You shouldn't care what society thinks, but I think the but biggest they, thing- people say stuff and judge like crazy. Mm-hmm. I mean, and so when there's when those do come, you have to have trust in yourself that you're you know that what you're doing is what you should be doing. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think you know for me, it, a really big thing was I had to say to myself, Nicolene, you know the principles that you stick to. You can stick to them no matter what. It doesn't matter who's watching. It doesn't matter if somebody has a bad day. Every person gets to have their moment and you just have to stay true to who you are. And so I think that's the thing is when a parent decides not to micromanage because truly I probably have it within me to be a micromanager. Like I could be that type of a person. And um, I know that occasionally with my husband, I've micromanaged a few things. And that's when he gets frustrated at me. If I ever try to like, because then it turns into nagging or something like that. Right. So I've had to teach myself. That's not okay to tell him everything he has to do. That's not my job. I have to trust that if he makes a mistake, well, he makes a mistake. And he's okay, but what about, what it. about those people where their spouse literally doesn't do anything unless they're told to do something? Yeah, that's a different situation. So, cause then you have to talk to the person and say, okay, so what do you want that relationship to be like? You want me to tell you everything? Does that bring you peace and happiness? Because that's different. My husband, that does not bring peace and happiness. <laughs> you know, dad, he'd be like, uh, I'm sort of done with being told something to do. Yeah, you know? He'd like, probably just quit I mean, saying things not... or he'd walk away. Yeah. Yeah. He'd just be like, uh, nice for you happy day to you. I'm moving on now. You know, like it's just, (laughs) I mean, he probably wouldn't start a war over it, but he would get kind of bugged, you know, and I can tell when he's bugged. And so I try to make our communications about things. I mean, I may, you know, give him an instruction to do stuff here and there because we do that for each other, but mostly, you know, we're, we're like, Hey, I'm going to be doing this. Would you be okay doing this? Yep. We just like, you know, we work together really good, but sometimes you can cross over a line. I mean, you're human, you know, 
And sometimes I've micromanaged, yeah. especially when stress gets high. And I think that's the thing is that when stress gets high, when you feel like you have to do a lot of things, then there's usually one person that emerges as the crew chief. And yep. it is so often the woman. Now, that doesn't mean it always is. It can be a guy, but it's so often the mother figure in the home or in the environment, in the office, you know, whatever it is, the, the chairwoman in charge of the, <laughs> the organization or the event or the whatever, they just start taking control. Boom, 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 boom. Because they're like, Hey, we don't have time for this. We are not going to get done. And they are that person that can push to the end. And I am definitely that person that can push to the end yeah. and can get us to our finish mark. Um, where my, my husband would be totally fine if he never got to the finish mark, because he'd be like, <laughs> oh, that's okay. He's, he's adaptable. He'll just adapt to whatever happens. Like that's his personality. That's just who, it, who he is, but and I'm I feel like, like that driven, you know? Yeah. And I feel like it depends on your culture as well. I remember watching a, a movie about, you know, people in this different culture and <laughs> the men are like, I want you to understand one thing. We, we are not the chiefs we are the Indians. And then the, the wives of these men come in, they just take charge of everything. <laughs> and right, I'm like, Oh, that was that show. McFarland USA. McFarland. Yes. I'm yeah. like, that's McFarland. It was about the pickers and the, I remember that. And the yeah. King's Kenyatta. And, yeah. I remember that. But, but see, the thing is though, is those guys were like, we're totally fine with this. Listen, it is better. It is better when those ladies take over this they now, just tell us what to do and we're else, fine right when it comes to something else we'll take over but when it comes to this food thing or this whatever this party thing, thing yeah we we just move the stuff where it needs to go and that's recognizing who's better at what right strengths so and some weaknesses yeah yeah, exactly. Now, some couples never fully identify that. And so then they battle and they struggle. And sometimes they might have similar strengths too, which could cause another, you know, battle or struggle or whatever. Um, see, what we get with our children is we end up, um, so we're, we're running the show the whole time, right? You know, starting when they're little, we're taking care of every single need. Well, as they get older, we have to give them more experiences. And if we don't, if we still keep taking over a lot of their experiences, then what happens is they start to resent that. They sometimes even push against it a little bit because they want to learn and grow. There's something very attractive, very satisfying about learning a new skill, you know, and they want to know those things. And sometimes they want to sort them out on their own. Like some people need to sit with their pile of dirt and their little pie pan and their cup of water and figure the exact consistency of the mud pie. Like some little <laughs> Little children really need to do that part on their own. And some of them are like, mom, let's make mud pies together. And they want mom to make it with them one time. And then after that, they want to do it themselves, you know, because they learned the right consistency with mom and now they're going to duplicate it, you know, and they're going to do it themselves. So each child's personality is going to be slightly different, but it's really up to us parents to recognize that we have to, at some point, step away from some of those skills. And we have to decide that what they do in a, you know, if they, how they choose to ultimately tie their shoe that day is not something we have to put any or energy. But the shoe is on. Yeah. Period. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or if that's they're not even something on. that we, 
<laughs> exactly. It's not something that we have to put the energy into. And, and I think that's the thing is where are you going to put your energy? Mm-hmm. Are you going to put your energy into reaching out with love and doing teaching and correcting consistently? Or are you going to put your energy into controlling yeah. every feeling, everything that happens in social? Some people only micromanage in social settings. Some people only micromanage at home. So wherever they feel like they need to have some sort of environmental control. And so you have to acknowledge that in yourself and recognize that when you do that, you actually end up starting power struggles. So when people get disgruntled, when they're bugged and you're like, this is a birthday, it's supposed to be happy and nobody's happy. Why? And <laughs> you know, it could be because it got a little too intense. Yeah, almost like sometimes even when it's too planned out or too, you know, down to the minute or down to the wire, it's just like, it's not fun anymore. Like you took the the spontaneity and the growing and just the the magic of it out when you try well, to remember everything. Let's remember something. It is fun for a certain percentage of people who absolutely love to go by the book and the list. But for everyone else, it's not so fun. Like me, yeah. I have a general rough idea. I'm like, okay, you know, we can do this and this and this. No specific time frame of when we're doing it. Here's some ideas. If not, if we're going to talk the whole time, cool. If not, great. I've got activities. <laughs> well, and you know what? That is your dad to a T. Except for he wouldn't even plan the activities. He'd wait no. to see what they materialize as. <laughs> I would. So maybe you're a mesh between me and the dad. Like I plan a little bit ahead to get the activities. Like, okay, we, we'll do this if we have time. Mm-hmm. But, but I'm also the same. If it doesn't work out that way, if I put some effort into something, we never eat it. I go, oh, well, tomorrow's a new day. We'll eat it for breakfast, whatever. <laughs> like, I don't care. I'm not going to cook it again. I'm not going to cook something new. We'll just eat this you know so yeah. I do, we just go so there's that a little bit of adaptability that our family has had that's probably trained you in that way but I want you to know I actually had to teach myself some of that and I think dad kind of helped me even learn some of that and and adopt a little bit more of that laid back flow because I realized I don't have to be perfect I don't have to have all this stuff all lined up all the time can I yes I can I can do it but is it healthy not always no I don't think it is actually I think there's some things that are worth lining up and making sure you get just right and there are the majority of things that are worth just seeing how it goes question Mm -hmm. is it possible to micromanage yourself to a point where you're annoyed with yourself I think so I think there are some people that get themselves all worked up. And maybe when we say micromanage ourselves, we might call that perfectionism, wouldn't we? Actually, yeah. Yeah, because, because that's when a person would be so focused on being perfect all the time that they never allow themselves to even just just calm down and bond, just, just have a quiet minute, you know, with the book or whatever it is, but they, mm-hmm. they just keep themselves in this state of I'm not good enough yet and I would call that perfectionism I mean we all know we're not good enough yet (laughs) hello otherwise like we wouldn't even be here I mean that's just part of life but um but I think you can over overthink that to the point that yeah then you're micromanaging every thought in your head and and bringing I think it's when you bring the stress in that's the biggest thing I agree. When you bring that stress in. So let's talk about what to do about this. 
So I, we, honestly, I could talk about micromanaging for a very long time because, because there's different scenarios where it happens. We've talked some about husband and wife and, and what that could potentially look like and how important it is that husbands and wives talk about how they want to communicate. I mean, if you're, if your spouse wants you to say, Hey, I need you to help me with this. They're like, Oh, good. I didn't know what to do. Thank you. Oh, right. That's, <laughs> That's like my husband to a T. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But then there's also a point where he does just want to sit down and take a break for a second. Mm-hmm. Right. So and sometimes so, that bugs me and I, and I have to like tell myself, I'm like, okay, no, he's been working. He's been doing school. He just got home from work. It's okay. If he sits down and scrolls through Facebook for a little bit, That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> So, cause, cause some people have to take breaks. So yeah. one of the hallmarks of dad's personality is he takes breaks. Okay. He <laughs> takes breaks. In fact, a lot of guys takes breaks, take breaks, but you know what girls, lots of girls do not take breaks. Now some do, some do, but there are some who it just kills them to take a break. They just keep going. Like we get a break when we sleep. That's it. <laughs> yeah. And so, and the guys are like, okay, this is not good flow. You know, like they just like, stop, it can wait for a minute. Like, let me sit here for a second. So we have to remember, and obviously that is not just straight to roles. I don't want to put anybody into a box because it could go the other way too. Right. Um, But, but I've just noticed at least, you know, with most of the men versus the women that I know that guys are totally fine taking a break and the women, not so much. So there you go. Um, so we've talked about that, but let's, and then with the children, I think we're kind of mentioning, you know, we've been talking about micromanaging a lot of their playtime and how that's not a very good idea. They need to have time to, um, to experiment, to think about. See, I think unstructured playtime is very, very, very healthy, especially for imagination and creative thinking. Oh yeah, it totally is. And I mean, that doesn't mean there's not a space for structured playtime. Cause I think there can be, I think children can learn a lot from playing with their parents, but I think parents should also engage in unstructured. Oh yeah. Where, where they are pretending. I feel like I just adapting as it goes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And I know when I was little, I would take just the things that I had around me and I would create my own little universe, like shoes would become mountains and I would be playing with little action figures and they'd be, you know, I'd make bumps under the carpet and create like valleys and hills or we we would race cars, you know, and it would, it would be so fun. Oh yeah. That is the fun part of being a child. Absolutely. And if someone always misses that because they're given the wrong kinds of toys because there are toys that can micromanage. So let's think of that. Oh. You put a child in front of a digital device, that that device is now micromanaging what the child can and can't do or all of the digital toys and stuff like that. So it's important that you have just like things with like wheels and blocks and bumps and stuff. And that's that's important to have that. Big, simple and things. And yeah, we'd go camping and you guys would make little fairy houses and forts and things of sticks and leaves and rocks and stumps and stuff. And oh, yeah. Oh, really so fun. Magical things. You yeah. Know? And my husband, he would, he tells me all the time. He's like, oh, yeah, my favorite pastime was going out in the backyard, finding a stick and killing zombies in my mind. There you go. I'm like, all right. He found the bad guys. He got the bad guys. <laughs> he knew at the end of the day he was a good guy. That's all that matters. Exactly. <laughs> Truth taught. Check. Yeah. Boom. <laughs> I'm sure I will always be able to find a stick. I 
am I am good. I'm set. <laughs> yeah, the confidence building things yes. of children. Anyway, so but there's other times too when parents micromanage their children. And I'm thinking specifically, and this one I probably can't go into as much detail as I would like to, but but I'm thinking specifically about when a child is misbehaving, when they are completely out of control. Parents will oftentimes try to just, they'll sit there and they'll just micromanage it. Don't say that. And they hold them and they push them down and they, and they push them away and they, um, you know, shut doors on them and they, you know, or whatever the different things that they do. And these are all power struggle techniques. And they're the sign that a parent is into a power struggle. But when your child is misbehaving, when they're out of instructional control in some way, the best thing to do is to point out what's happening and to have already prepared them ahead of time for how to get out of this scenario, how to get calm and, and pull things back together. We do that with a process called the rule of three. It's all words that we do. Um, and they can, you know, earn some negative consequences during this that are pretty intense, but, but we're not micro controlling everything. So if my child, if I see a sign that they are starting to get calm, I'm going to work with them on that. I'm going to say, it looks like your face is getting calmer. It looks like you're breathing a little bit better. Let's keep doing that. Let's, let's get calm. So I'm going to work with them on that instead of just pointing out just the bad thing that they're still doing. Maybe they're, mm -hmm. they're Which still is trying to, you know, yeah, I think that's important. I also feel like um, that, you know, a child may go out of control if all of a sudden you're holding everything, taking everything, giving the bad looks, doing all the things, um, I feel like you could push the child further over the edge. So what you do is you talk about, do they have a calm face, voice, and body? Well, if they don't, then say, it looks like you're not having a calm face, voice, and body, you know? So what you should be doing is focus on keeping a calm face and voice and body right you could do a little correction and then if that doesn't seem if the person seems to still be going further out of control then we can do the rule of three which helps them get back to calmness the whole point is to give them these three opportunities to come back to calmness right but then after that if the child is just still fully out of control then that child just probably needs some time so then i always say come back to the child every you know, 15 minutes or so and just talk to them, see if they're ready to follow the instruction again. And because that, that five-step process of following an instruction is so key for a person to be able to prove that they're being calm. Anyway, we don't have time to train about all that, but like you give the person a minute, you know, maybe they're going to sit and, uh, you know, and you give them a minute, you don't sit there and try to control every movement or thought or whatever. I mean, unless they are truly, truly, um, going to inflict bodily harm in a way that would you know draw blood from yeah. somebody well and like you know those annoying behaviors that people don't like usually they go away if the person doing them doesn't have an audience mm -hmm. lots of times so so that's where it's like well let's you know let's try to get the person to calmness but if not let's let them just get calm for a minute and then we come back and we try again and point out they're still not choosing to be calm and then give them another 15 minutes and I mean with some of my foster children I had to do that many many times the important things are the words though the right words that you use and in this podcast I don't have time because we've already been going long enough I don't have time to go into the entire 
uh, dialogue for the rule of three, the words yeah, but that's, they use, you can the order find that they come in. All of the rule of three on teachingselfgovernment.com. Yeah, you can go to that teaching self-government parenting course. Um, you can find the words in many, you know, many resources that we have, like especially the courses and and like the the book as well has some of that in it. So um, anyway, so you can find all of that there. But it is important you know the right words to say. I think that's key because it helps with parent confidence, and it helps the parent not choose to go to that micromanagey and then turns into power struggle and has that problem. Amen. For sure. Well, thank you for joining us on the Teaching Self-Government Podcast. As always, if you would like more information about self-government for yourself or your family, go to teachingselfgovernment.com and we will talk to you again next time. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to the Teaching Self-Government Podcast. For more information and resources to help unite your family, visit teachingselfgovernment.com.